This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, we're going to have a really great time tonight. Who, who? I mean, you came to have a good time. You're like, I came to church because I want to hear the Word of God. Amen. I want to worship God. Well, you came to the right place. So, I'm preaching on a verse tonight that is... Honestly, one of my favorite verses to preach on. And so I got to make sure that I don't do it too much. So I don't think I've preached on it since 2017. So it's been a few years now, but I love this verse. And before I share it, I, you know, I'll, I'll, as I was thinking and reflecting on this verse today, I remember when I first learned this verse, I was a little kid. I learned this verse when I was probably nine or 10 years old and I learned it through children's ministry. Um, I learned this verse, uh, you know, back when I was a kid, okay, and some of you may remember this, a lot of you may not, there was a Christian kids TV show called The Gospel Bill Show on TV, and it was this Christian sheriff, and, you know, and you look back on it now, and you're like, well, man, that's so dated and so cheesy, Irma remembers, right, come on, and so, uh, but, you know, it's so powerful that, you know, here I am, you know, today, honestly, and there's a lot of verses and Bible knowledge and lessons that I can trace back to that children's ministry when I was a kid. And it impacts me today as an adult. And, and that's where I learned this verse from. So, you know, again, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm really am honest that children's ministry is so important for what we do. And, uh, and when you plant that seed and that foundation, it sticks with kids for life. And so anyway, the verse I'm talking about is Nahum 1-7. Nahum 1-7. I'll be in the New King James. Now, I know that Nahum is one of the books that you probably read every day, isn't it? It's one for your morning coffee devotions, uh, Nahum 1-7. If you can't find it, it's on page 873, and it's also right after the book of Micah. So, Nahum 1-7, and I absolutely love this verse. And really, you know, there, I think every Christian needs to have some go-to verses that are on speed dial. And, you know, whenever the enemy shows up with something, uh, I mean, you instantly, you're like, hey, you know what, take this. And you got something to fire back at him. And I think about how David in his shepherd's bag, he had those five smooth stones ready to go at a moment's notice. And so you need to have your Five smooth stones. I, I, I prefer to a lot more than five, but five's a good start, all right? So Nahum 1 and verse 7 in the New King James, it says this, For the Lord is good. Who agrees with that one? The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. I'm going to say it again. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Now there is a lot of power and a lot of points wrapped up in that one verse right there. I mean, we could tackle that from a lot of directions. But first of all, I'm going to say this. Hey, the Lord is good. And I will, no, no matter what happens in my life, the Lord is good. He has been nothing but good to me. God has never done one bad thing to me. I mean that. Not one bad thing has God ever done to me. He has only done good to my life. 
Now, he's brought correction, and, and, and he's taught me a lot of things, and sometimes it hasn't been the way that I wanted, but the Lord has only ever been good to me. And it says he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Well, stronghold, that means he's a refuge. He is a fortress. He will surround you in the day of trouble. And so... My title tonight is this, the title, I did have a beautiful PowerPoint, but I somehow uploaded it wrong, so you don't get, and I had a great graphic, you guys were just going to love it so much, it was this great, it was this great mountain scene, it was black and white, it was super cool, but anyway, uh, so you just, just follow along, but the title is The Day of Trouble, because you got to realize this, that there is, according to scripture, there is a day of trouble, and the devil would like for that to be every day of the week for you, right? And sometimes it feels, maybe in a certain season, like it's every day of the week. But I'm telling you that it, that it doesn't have to stay that way. And maybe you feel like you're in the day of trouble right now. Well, guess what, brother? Guess what, sister? You came to the right place because we know how to get out of the day of trouble around here. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, moved on, don't want to go back. I don't like the day of trouble. Amen? And I'm not going to stick there. But the last sentence of this verse, and he knows those who trust in him. So the Lord is always good. He's always a stronghold in the day of trouble. But apparently, there are some that don't trust in him. Right? And the, and God knows the difference. He knows those who trust in him. And he knows those who just say they trust in him. Because I've come across a lot of people in my day that they can talk a pretty big game. But when the rubber meets the road, it's not judging on my part, but it's very obvious that they don't actually trust in the Lord because he is not the first one they run to when things get hard. Right? You know, I mean, let's just get real here. When the day of trouble shows up, when the enemy knocks on the door, when an attack from Satan comes, who you run to first is a great indicator of who you really trust. Oh, man, let me go check my bank account. Let me go see what the news is saying. Let me go see what all my friends got to say right now. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about what your God has to say right now? What about what's in your heavenly account? Listen, who you run to first is a great indicator of who your trust is in. And I'm telling you right now, the scripture says right here, he knows those who trust in him. And I want to be found in that group. And so I'm going to look at three points tonight, three different things that I want to discuss regarding the day of trouble. And I am here to tell you that I have experienced the day of trouble. I've seen it and it still it tries to knock on my door. It shows up every now and then. But I know how to fight it now because I've learned how to fight the good fight of faith. Right. I've learned how to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I've learned how to say, you know what? The battle is the Lord's. I'm not, I'm not doing this. The battle is the Lord's, all right? And so let's look at three things tonight. And maybe you're like, well, man, I've got no day of trouble right now. My life is really good. That's fine. Hey, it'll try to show up again. I'm not prophesying doom and gloom on you. But if you are breathing air on planet Earth, the devil or someone else is going to try to show up and bring some trouble into your life before this is all over with. And that's not negativity. That's just straight facts. The Bible tells us that. So we're going to learn how to fight this thing. Let's pray and get into the word here. All right. Father, in Jesus name, 
We thank you, Lord, that we have your word. We have your promises to stand on. And, Lord, we're looking to you tonight. We are looking to your word. And we thank you that you are going to speak to each and every single one of us. Lord, show us some things tonight that we need to see. And may your word have free course all the way through this thing. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? So the first point is this, all right? You have to write this down. Number one. The day of trouble comes to everyone. The day of trouble comes to everyone. There's nobody in here that has never had a day or two of trouble. I mean, even Jesus had some days of trouble. Paul, all the great guys in the Bible. In fact, most of the great people you know in the Bible, you know them from their day of trouble. You don't know David because he had a bunch of, you know him because he beat Goliath. Right. You don't know who Daniel is just because he was so cool. You know him because of the lions that he faced. You don't you you know about Joshua because he had to walk around those walls and shout and the walls had to come down. Most of the great guys, you know, in the Bible, you know, because they faced the day of trouble, but they overcame. They didn't roll over and play dead and cry about it. They did something about it. First Corinthians 10, 13, first Corinthians 10, 13, another verse that I like to go to a lot. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. And uh, there's, man, this is, this is another verse that's got about 10 different sermons in it. But we'll just, we'll just try to apply it for right now. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. But when Sunday night, if we had a message on uh, being able to stare at the invisible. And we talked about faith quite a bit Sunday night. And I was even thinking about that message even more throughout the week. But. As a person of faith, you know, and that's what we are. Make no mistake about it. And I am not ashamed of it. We are a faith church. I'm a faith person. And I'm not ashamed of that fact. I mean, I, I, that's everything to me is my faith in Jesus Christ and that his word is true. It's not just a bunch of inspirational quotes from a bunch of old dead guys. The, the Bible is the living breathing word of God. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two edged sword. And so as people of faith, we don't deny that there is trouble in this world or that there's a devil. We fully recognize that. But the fact of the matter is this, is that the more you get to know Jesus, the less fear you have about those things, right? Because you fully realize, well, yeah, those things are going on, but I'm surrounded by angel armies on every side of me. I've got Jesus. I've got, you know, I've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and two-thirds of the angels. Why would I be afraid of the devil? First Corinthians ten thirteen. the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. What? I thought I was the only one that's ever faced this. Apparently not. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Say that. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, there's a lot I love about that verse, but but this word temptations here is a Greek word pyrasmus, which means temptations, test or trials. And so when I read that verse, I see it this way. The temptations, the test and the trials in my life are no different from what others experience. 
And so the devil would love for you to think that you are the only one facing the situation or the test or the trial or the trouble that you are facing right now. He would love for you to think that, but it's a lie. You're not. There's a lot of people. In fact, it says it's no different from what others experience. But thank God it doesn't end right there, because if that was the end of that verse, that'd be kind of a downer, wouldn't it? Man, don't worry about it. The temptations in your life, everyone else, it's bad everywhere, period. It doesn't say that. It says the temptations in your life, the troubles, the trials are no different from what others experience. Hey, but God is faithful. He will not allow that trial, that test, that temptation, that day of trouble to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, tested, trialed, have a bad day, he will show you a way out so you can endure. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. I love this. And so we all face some sort of troubles in our life. And I've learned this, that the day of trouble is not usually just one rough day. It tends to be a little season, a little stretch of highway in your life. And I, man, I've had a few of those. All right. I've had some of those. And I know this much that every single time God is faithful and he always provides the way to victory. But I've learned this, that there's two primary sources that trouble can come from. Now, we could expand and, you know, say, you know, list a bunch, but two primary sources that trouble comes from. One is Satan. One is Satan. All right. So let's look at first Peter five, eight. Flip there real quick. Try to fit in as many verses as we can. There's two primary sources that trouble comes from. And so we're uh, we're going to look at these here. Now, again, we could we could list a whole, you know, bunch more of them. We could say, you know, uh the Senate and the House and the no, <laughs> It's a joke. It's a joke. All right. Uh but f- first one is Satan. First Peter 5:8. Now, check this out. First Peter 5:8. And you've probably heard this verse. Probably familiar with it. First Peter 5 and verse 8. It says, "Stay alert. Why would it say that? Because apparently there are some Christians that are not staying alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Who? Your wife? (laughs) Your husband? Your boss? The president? No, the devil. The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Notice he is not a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He'll make some noise. He'll show some fangs. But he's not the real deal. He's not the real deal. But he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But look at this. Verse 9. Stand firm against him. Notice it doesn't say roll over and play dead. Try to hide as fast as you can. Maybe he won't see you if you run and hide. Try to not, you know, try to not talk. No, it says Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Wow. Be strong in your faith. Remember your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. And again, you're not the only one that's dealing with what you're dealing with right now. But God is faithful. And so the devil, he is no doubt about it, a primary source of trouble in this life, he will work through people that are not submitted to God. 
He very easily worked through them. He can work through circumstances. There's a lot of different ways he can try to get to you. One of the main ways is your thoughts, but I'm not going there tonight, but that is the primary battleground that Satan loves to come in, and uh, an immature Christian will just sit there and think those thoughts and not fight them back. They won't resist. They'll just sit there all day long and like, oh, man, yeah, oh, yeah. It's bad. It, it is bad. And, and I, yeah, I, I feel sick here. And, and I know, I heard what she said. I know what they're talking about me. And, and, and an immature Christian will sit there and listen to thoughts and not resist it. And they will get their behind kicked mentally and emotionally by the devil. But anyway, that is not at all the point of the sermon tonight. So, primary sources of Satan, or excuse me, of, of trouble is one, Satan. And number two, hold on to your seats. It is number two, you. <laughs> Amen. All right. You can be a primary source of your troubles. Now, you know, that's not fun to talk about, but that's just fact of the matter is, uh, in fact, Kenneth Hagin said this. Some things that people attribute to the devil are really nothing more than the works of the flesh. Like, well, the devil made me do it. The devil did that. No, you did that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to say. You're a Christian. You have the power to stand up against that. But but it's just the absolute truth. I'm not turning there for the sake of time. But uh, the works of the flesh. What is that? Galatians five nineteen through twenty one. We're all familiar with Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And we got we all know the good stuff, right? The good stuff is the fruit of the born again spirit is love, joy, peace. These are the things that we will see uh, coming forth from a spiritual, mature, born-again Christian. If, you, if you're a mature Christian, we will see love growing in your life. Right? I don't see it. There's not, I don't know anybody that, you know, cusses you out and calls you a bunch of names, and I'm like, man, he is so deep. He is so mature, that guy right there. He's a good one. No. Instantly, I'm like, man, he's no, he he's got nothing or 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 peace or patience or kindness. Did you know that Christians are supposed to be kind? Who'd have thought it? What about gentleness? Christians should be gentle. I mean, that's the fruit of the spirit. I mean, all this stuff. These are great things. And we all love that. That, that, that list of things. But if you look at the previous verses, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, you'll see the works and the fruit of the flesh. Envy, anger, sexual immorality. There's just a, I don't even like to look. It's, it's a nasty list, but it shows you this is the fruit that is in the life of somebody that is ruled by their flesh. It's the works of the flesh. And somebody like Kenneth Hagin said right there is, they may be like, well, the devil's out there doing this and that. And really, it'd be easy. To blame the devil, he's always the, but sometimes, sometimes it's not the devil. It's us not being mature, and it's us not uh, exercising what we already know. And that's not condemnation, that's not judging anybody, but sometimes we need to have a little reflection and say, you know what, I, I, need, to, I need to handle this. I know the Bible tells me how to handle this. I need to handle this situation, and I need to do it this way. But the devil... Uh, he's an easy scapegoat, uh, but sometimes it's not only him. And so oftentimes people try to take the easy way out and blame their actions on the devil when it's really just them being weak and immature. Kenneth Hagin also said this, man, this is a good quote. Right, come on, this is a good one. He said, often Christians who are having problems with the flesh think that if they could just 
get away from it all or move to another state or change jobs or churches, things would be different. But you can't get away from the flesh. Moving or changing churches isn't going to solve the problem if it's your unredeemed flesh you're dealing with. Wherever you go, your flesh is still going to be there. Come on. That's something to think about right there. And so there are two primary sources that trouble can come into our life. One is definitely the devil. We know that much. But another one sometimes is we have brought the day of trouble upon ourselves. Now, it's not the end of the world, but you got to deal with it and get out of it. Right. You got to do something about it. And so point number two is this. And if you've been at this church very long, you know, you know, this number two trouble doesn't come from God. God, trouble doesn't come from God is not the source of your trouble. He's the answer to your trouble. And if you're confused on that, it's going to be hard to get answers, because if you think God's the one that brought it into your life, it's really hard to pray it away. If it's a, you know, if it's a blessing from God, then why pray a blessing away? Psalm 91 and verse 15. Let's flip over there. Psalm 91 and verse 15. Who's having a good time? So you have to establish on day one of your Christian life, number one, day one, God is good and he does not bring trouble into your life. So Psalm 91 and verse 15, I think, well, hopefully a lot of us became a lot more familiar with Psalm 91 over the last year or so than maybe we ever were before. But Psalm 91 and verse 15 says this, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. So what is it? What does God do when you're in trouble? If you call on him, he'll rescue you and honor you. So if trouble came from God, then he'd have to rescue you from himself. Doesn't make any sense, right? That, if, if God, if God, if God has sent the trouble, then he's, uh, he's out there trying to rescue you from himself. That flat out doesn't make any sense, and that's a lie from the enemy. Trouble does not come from God. Who knows what John 10.10 10 says? I don't even understand. But you got it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Listen, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy John 10, 10. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Jesus straight out put it in there in scripture for you to know I'm not the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I I'm the good guy. I'm not the bad guy. Quit thinking I'm the bad guy. I'm the good guy. I came to give life. And to give life more abundantly. And the NLT says, I came to give them a rich and satisfying life. And that's what our Christian life is. It's a satisfying life. And that's what Jesus came to do. And so I, some people think that God may send a little trouble your way to teach you or strengthen your character. But you need to realize right now that the Bible and the Holy Spirit are the teachers of the church. Not sickness or trouble. Not sickness or trouble. And, and, and I've, I've learned that sometimes you may learn a lesson from your trouble, but it wasn't God who sent it. And I'll say this, that I've learned a lot from 
trouble spots in my life. I've got, you know, one of the biggest, most embarrassing, bad things I ever went through. I'm not even going to dig it up. I don't even want to think about it. But one of the worst, just biggest, dumbest things I ever did, it cost me, and it brought a lot of pain and trouble into my life. Now, I learned a great lesson from that. And, and, and I mean, I learned a valuable lesson and I, a lot, I've never repeated the mistakes that got me into that place. And I'll say that God used the situation and I learned from it, but God did not send the situation. And as I look back every time in my life where I've learned from pain, I can see several times, if I were to think about it, where God tried to warn me and teach me another way before the trouble came. I think about it this way. So several years ago, when my son Isaac was smaller, I think he's in here tonight. Uh, I remember I, I was I was making some grilled cheese on the griddle, right? Now I can't cook very good, but give me a spatula and a griddle, and I'm all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so I'm making grilled cheese, and I see him on the counter. He's kind of like reaching for it. I'm like, stop! Don't do it. I see him a minute later, just kind of like, you know, ready to touch. I'm like, no, stop! Don't touch it. That's hot. And then finally, a few minutes later, ah, you know, you hear screaming and he touched the griddle and burned his hand. He learned from the pain. Now, you could say, well, the father was right there the whole time. The father willed for that to happen. But listen, it wasn't the father's will that he touched the griddle and get burned. The father warned him two or three different times to not touch it, but he touched it anyway. And when he did, he learned a valuable lesson, and he has never touched a hot griddle again. He learned from the pain. And yes, I'm glad as the father that he learned from the pain, but it was not my will, and it was not my way. I tried to tell him and teach him a couple of different ways that it was hot and it would burn him. And sometimes in our Christian life, we're in a bad spot, and Man, God sent this to teach me something, and God is there with you in the storm and in the trial. He did not send that trouble. If you were to honestly look back, you could probably see several spots where God tried to say, stay away from that. That's no good. Stay away. That'll burn you. That'll hurt you. That'll, that'll mess your life up. Stay away. She's a, you know, bad person to be around. He's a bad dude. Stay away. Don't touch that stuff. And then we don't listen. Then we're in trouble. And man, God just sent this to teach. He didn't send that. He tried to get your attention several other ways. And thank God we can learn from the pain. Thank God. Pain is a very good teacher, but a good loving father, that's not his first go-to, right? All right, so anyway, that went over really, really big. So that's good stuff. I praise God for that. All right, let's, maybe you might like this one more. Let's go. There. Just because trouble comes, it doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. Just because, and think about it, just because, because a lot of times, too, people are like, man, well, I've got all these, all this stuff's coming against me right now. I mean, I just must, be, I must have missed it somewhere. Well, could be, but honestly, there's a great chance that you didn't because the enemy will come and when you're doing God's will, when you're doing things God's way, he's going to try to bring some storms and come as a roaring lion and bring a little noise, bring a little wind, bring a little, bring a little fire into your life. Try to, try to throw you off. 
And an immature Christian will be like, oh, okay, all right, well, yeah, this didn't start happening until I volunteered in the nursery. This didn't start happening until I tithed. This didn't start happening until I, until I started being bold about my faith, so I'll just shut up now because obviously that was, no, that's not what, you got to realize, if you're obeying legitimately the Bible and what God's word has spoken to you, then there is going to be some opposition come against you. Because if trouble means you're out of the will of God, then the Apostle Paul was way out of the will of God. Because he had trouble. The, the minute that he gave his life to Jesus and started preaching the gospel, trouble started showing up from everywhere. They beat him. They stoned him. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with whips and rods and everything. But I would dare say that Paul was not out of the will of God. He was right in the middle of the will of God. And Satan tried his best to make him quit. But he did not quit. And so for us in our lives, we got to realize that God is not the source of our trouble. He's the answer to our trouble. And and, and, and just because there's trouble coming against us, we need to realize that that doesn't mean that, well, I've missed it. I'm just totally out of the will of God. Sometimes that means you're right in the will of God. And one common question I get, because we see a lot of people giving their life to Jesus. And, and right now, right this very day, we've got nine people going through our spiritual personal trainer program. Nine people right now that are in the program. That's awesome, right? And so some of my trainers have a couple people each that they're working with right now. So they're busy and it's awesome. Um, but one common thing that I get from new Christians is, you know, I just heard it a few weeks ago. I, I don't, you know what? I'm not so sure about all this now because I gave my life to Jesus. I started coming to church and now it's like I've got all sorts of bad stuff happening to me. I've got, you know, my family's coming against me and I've got this going on and this. So maybe, maybe this, I don't know, maybe this isn't for me. And you know exactly what that is. That doesn't mean you missed it. Think you're out of the will of God because you gave your life to Jesus and come to church now? No, that's the enemy coming right now to try to rattle you so you'll let go. That's exactly what that is. And don't let go. Fight the good fight of faith. Satan wants to shake you up so you'll quit. Don't do it. And don't blame God and think that he's the one that caused it. He didn't. Satan's coming to try to steal the word out of your heart. But it's not going to work because you're sticking with Jesus, aren't you? Right? Come on. All right. Say that with me. I'm sticking with Jesus. Amen. We have come way too far to look back now. Way too far. All right. So number three is this. Number three is this. God always provides a way out. There is always a way out. There's no no way that you're ever going to be able to say, well, you know, I gave into that trouble or that temptation because there was just simply no other way. There's always a way out. 1 Corinthians 10.13. We've already been there. Let's flip there again. 1 Corinthians 10.13. There's always a way out. And Jesus will show you that way, won't he? In fact, he said, hey, I am the gate. I am the door. He, he's the way. He'll show you. So 1 Corinthians 10.13. We're going to read this again. The temptations, the troubles, the trials, the tests in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. 
He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, tested, trialed, troubled, he will show you a way out so you can endure. The King James says he provides a way of escape. God will always show you the way out. Always show you the way out and through that thing. Why? Because the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, according to Nahum 1.7. And so, one last story for tonight. Turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And as I'm thinking about this story, this is the story of the fiery furnace. You guys ever heard about this one? It's a good story. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon uh, the, the people of, of, of Judah, uh, they were captive there. And so we've got Daniel over there. We've got his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar made a 90-foot-tall golden statue, right? And he ordered everyone to bow down to this stupid thing whenever the music was played. And here's the deal. Everybody actually did it. Every time the music, nobody questioned it. Nobody said, no, I'm not going to do it. Everybody bowed down to this thing because the punishment was, if you don't bow down, we throw you into this fiery furnace, this inferno of flames. Obey or you get the flames. And so it's sick because there was a lot of Jewish people there, a lot of people that believed that God Almighty, Jehovah, is the Lord. Yet when the music played, they hit the ground just like everybody else did. They took to their knees, bowed down there. I don't, I don't agree with this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I don't want to feel the heat. I don't want those flames. And think about this. When we're presented a situation like this, and this has become a lot more real over the last year than I ever felt before, right? No? Yeah? Man? I mean, I, but, hey, there's stuff that's happened in the last 13 months. Oh, yeah, that'll, that'll never happen. I mean... You know, I just saw this pastor in Canada was just in jail for 34 days. For why? Because he preached at his church. I mean, that's messed up. You know, there's crazy, stupid stuff. Churches all over California were paying these crazy fines just for having church. But what I love about those churches is they didn't bow down to the stupid statue. You take your statue and do this with, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm glad a lot did. Now I'm not being mean. Some did, but, but there's some that didn't and I'm super proud and glad for them. Uh, you know, it's just, there's a lot to be said about that, but here we have what, what this story doesn't bother me that the Babylonian people bowed down to the stupid thing because they didn't have any claim to any certain God, but it bothers me even now that the Jewish people, other than four of them, three of them, Bowed down to the thing, even though it went against everything they believed in, they still bowed down to it, except for these three guys. And so and so the music plays and and, and you know, it's obvious in a crowd when thousands of people hit the ground and there's just three guys that didn't do it. It's like, hey, something ain't right here. So these three guys they're Hey, what are you doing? Why aren't you bowing down? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? I'm like, well, you see, we can't because we serve. The real God, the true living God. And so Nebuchadnezzar gets mad. He becomes angry and he gives them, you get another chance. These are smart boys. They're talented. They actually work for the government. And so he's like, you know what? Play the music again. I'm going to stay. And they still won't do it. And these boys, they've got some fire in their soul. And they're like, we will never 
bow down to that stupid statue. He's like, uh, they say, the God whom we serve is well able to save us. And I like what they say. They say, and even if he didn't, we still wouldn't bow down. Like, woo! Come on! That's what we need! And so, finally, the king snaps and he, and he throws them in there, right? And so, let's look at Daniel 3. I had to shorten this story for the sake of time. Verse 24, Daniel 3, verse 24. And so he throws them in there. They heat the furnace up seven times hotter. In fact, it tells us that the guards that threw them in died just getting close to the fire, but they didn't even actually get into the fire. It killed them just from getting close. Daniel 3, verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, wait a minute, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Well, he changed his tune pretty quick there, didn't he? Come on. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. What a story. Why? Why? Because they didn't bow down. They didn't give in. They said to themselves something along the lines of, and I know they didn't maybe say this exactly, but I guarantee you something along the lines of this. You know what? The Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows if we trust him or not. We're going to go ahead and we're just going to go with him. And it was the day of trouble, a bad day of trouble, but the Lord provided a way out. Now, their way out was right through the middle of the fire. They didn't, they didn't get a side door. They didn't get a back door. They didn't get a helicopter rescue. Run! Get in the chopper! No, they had to go right through the fire. But guess what? God provided a way of escape with the fourth man. Who was that fourth man? It was Jesus Christ. He was right there in the Old Testament. Right there, Jesus provided a way of escape. And so, what are we saying tonight? We're saying this, that the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Trouble may show up, but God knows those who trust in Him. He will always provide a way through. He will always provide a way out. But we've got to trust in Him. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We better close. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.